Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Calm Sword. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Podcast. I hope everybody's been doing well. We're getting close to the end of the year, um, but that means that we'll have probably another two episodes uh, that will wrap this, this season up. It's been an, uh, an amazing time. We've uh, expanded uh, our listener base. There's a lot of engagement in our community at Tau40. Dot zero zero zero, uh, the Discord. I still don't know how to say it, but I'm still a huge fan of that. Uh, the link uh, is in the description below um, in case you want to come and chat with us. Uh, yeah, just uh, this uh, this episode's a little bit on the lighter side. Um, again, part of my whole catch-up uh, since we lost a couple of those previous episodes, but looking forward to getting into it, so let's do it. So, one of the things that uh, I absolutely love about uh, Warhammer 40,000 and the Warhammer 40,000 universe is just the number of these, like, minor throwaway uh, factions that they just, they bring up in all kinds of uh, recordings and stuff like that, or, or uh, uh, in, like, report, like, alien reports and, and uh, xenological surveys and everything. Um, they've dedicated two books to just alien species that uh, that just don't have don't have any miniatures, um, but it definitely just kind of plants a seed, um, basically just a narrative seed for for um, I guess your I mean your your own your own modeling uh, experiences. Like if a lot of people do conversions and stuff like that, but I think it's also like an internal way of like one department at Games Workshop uh, hinting to another that they should do something, and that's why we get. Uh, crazy things like uh, you know the amble for example which was this old um, I think it was like it almost looked like a Wookiee back in the day but now it's it's this giant insect thing that's shown up in uh, in in uh, the, the 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 board game that you can get called uh, what is it Blackstone Fortress so so when when the Tau came out um, there was this I feel like it was like the ultimate opportunity to bring in all of these uh, desperate, you know, disparate and uh, and random races, and kind of give them a give them like a like a almost like a a, a way onto the tabletop. Um, things like the Vespid, the Crute, um, all, both of those have come on. But uh, but when Andy Hoare uh, and uh, during the game Battlefleet Gothic like wanted to do like a soft reboot of the Squats, which had been completely annihilated. And, and when I say completely annihilated, I mean their miniature range got discontinued. Um, in the lore, they were uh, they were first um, uh, slaughtered by the Adeptus Mechanicus, um, and then and then a Tyranid High Fleet came in through their homeworlds, and then the Imperials like <laughs> then like virus bombed what was left. Um, they 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 killed the Squats about as much as uh, a franchise can kill something. Yet, you know, like 20, 30 years later, um, we've started seeing the Squats show up um, uh, on Necromunda. Um, hinted here and there, especially during the Psychic Awakening, like little, like little blurbs and stuff like that. Um, and no, uh, and 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 the most so uh, in um, the Demiurg, um, which was a Battlefleet Gothic faction that you could um, you can play with. So the Tau really allow for this opportunity for Games Workshop from both a game development point of view, but but as well as a Black Library lore perspective to bring in alien species that could, you know, we, we could see, uh, you know, um, uh, like, uh, 
like a resurgence of like different alien factions in a couple years or something like that um and and the roots of them are in these just these minor little mentions here and there or white dwarf articles or black you know a little blurb in a in a black library book so this episode today and uh and it is going to be um slightly on the shorter side um but this episode today is going to uh really examine the relationships that the Tao have with these uh let's call them the minor races of warhammer 40,000. okay so the first one that i think and i mentioned them already uh the first one to bring up is uh the demiurg themselves so the demiurg are really interesting um first and foremost uh their name in tausia is bentusen and uh what that translates into is wise gifted ones um, which I think is pretty cool um, because it also relates to one of my favorite games growing up, uh, a, a game called Homeworld, um, where the Bentusi were an alien species that the protagonists run into. And very much like their Warhammer 40k counterpart, uh, there is a trade that goes back and forth. And that is how, uh, if you're playing Homeworld, you gain ion technology. And in the universe of Warhammer 40,000, that's how the Tau gain uh, ion tech as well so you know it's a slight nod to a really fun game by uh, relic which uh, which had a pretty good relationship with games workshop um, now the demiurg we've never really we've never seen one there's some concept art here and there um, as i mentioned before there was a there was like an attempt to to do like a soft reboot of a squat like race which basically just means um you know sci-fi dwarves but what ended up happening was, is they kind of evolved and turned into their own species, especially as we started bringing back um, squ uh, squats into the main 40k universe. Um, you can see squats, for example, uh, in the Necromunda range. There are two of them. Um, Demiurg are super interesting in that they have all of the hallmarks of a dwarf-like race. They hate the orcs, specifically. Um, and uh, But... Perhaps more interestingly, they are hunted by um, by the Imperium. Um, they are miners by trade. They're they're ex they have excellent drone technology, which they utilize uh, along with their larger bastion ships to harvest astro asteroid fields. Um, so very, you know, they have a really uh, dwarf feel to them. But what's interesting is is that. Um, when it comes to the Tau, is that two brotherhoods? Now, a brotherhood is like a, it's like a, the, as best as we can tell, some kind of fleet, um, uh, unknown in size, but but it definitely represents a sub faction. Uh, and at some point, uh, two of these brotherhoods enter Tau space: the Therm and the Suryatok. And both of them are given effectively safe harbor by the Tau. Um, they are being hunted. Uh, by imperial factions, um, and the Tau allow them to uh, basically operate pretty freely inside of Tau space, um, which is something that is is good to kind of keep in mind. Uh, the Imperium, uh, everything, uh, all kinds of travel, even the warp, um, is extremely uh, uh, extremely dangerous um, or extremely expensive. Very few imperial citizens get a chance to uh, leave the world or even the the orbital of their birth. Um, that is not the case uh, within uh, the Tau spheres of expa expansion. You have uh, a very healthy um, mobility, um, both 
uh, both with, for the castes as well as their uh, their uh, the alien uh, allies that they have. So the Demiurg um, are permitted into Tau space, and it seems like they've really bolstered um, Tau technology in the form of the Ion Tech I mentioned before. But but also, um, and it, it starts getting into it in the third sphere expansion, that the Demiurg are also providing almost like uh, mobile factories for the Tau to uh, generate resources um, and, pro and possibly even refine certain elements. It's a throwaway sentence in one of the Psychic Awakening books, um, um, or excuse me, the the, uh, the Kayan book. Uh, but I think that it's 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 great that the Demiurg have been maintained as a species uh, that the Tau uh, interacts with. Interestingly, though, they are not uh, a member species. Uh, the Demiurg are a galaxy-wide uh, spanning uh, spe uh, race, and only two small uh, brotherhoods or factions uh, have, have actually aligned with the Tau. So Demiurg aren't uh, universally on board, and that is actually something that you'll find with most of the races that we know about that uh, are close with the Tau. Um, the Krut being a number one example where you've got, uh, you have the homeworlds um, with the Tau, um, but but then you have Krut war spheres um, all over the galaxy as far away as, um, you know, the Tempesta segmentum. So something to keep, something always to keep in mind, um, a lot of people, think that once you get dialed into the commonwealth you know once you become an aligned species that that's it you're you know you you don't have any autonomy and it seems like most of the species have uh, a lot of autonomy which which means uh, we, we, the next race that i then would like to kind of dovetail to that idea is the nikasar now the nikasar are actually a member species they are the oldest of the species that joined the tau um, I've, I've mentioned in, an, in, in another episode that they uh, they are the first contact species. Um, they encountered the Tau when they were still confined to their solar system, and um, and the first contact uh, actually resulted in uh, some kind of you know, maybe a mistranslation. Um, uh, we don't know. It, it just says that something went wrong, and uh, the ships basically opened up uh, opened fire on each other. Um, but then uh, swiftly, you know, negotiations were, were established and the Nikasar uh, joined the Tau. Um, again, the Nikasar, though, are, a, are another galaxy-spanning species. They're, they're uh, life fleets. Um, these kind of caravan uh, civilian vessels um, are all over um, the galaxy uh, and stretch up into uh, the ghoul stars themse themselves. And the reason why I think that this is uh, interesting, and again, we've talked about them before, uh, is that the Nikasar have fully uh, embraced membership within the Tau Commonwealth. However, they they have a uh, a society basically that 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 moves and operates um, much further afield, um, and that's where I would like to bring up the first race that the Tau do not actually have a direct relationship with, and that's the Thexian elite. Now the Thexians, um, they come out of the fantasy flight game, uh, role-playing game, um, and they are basically, the best way to describe them as, is kind of somewhere between um, a evil Tau empire um, and maybe like the Trade Federation from Star Wars. Um, they're extreme, extremely manipulative. There's not that many of them. We don't know what they look like. 
um, but the Thexians have basically managed to um, gain a massive amount of influence in a lot of these minor species all, all over the eastern fringes. Um, now the ghoul stars, um, that's very far away from Tau space. Um, it's, you know, if you're looking at a, a typical map of the galaxy, it's in the upper right hand corner. And it's a place where the Imperium is consistently uh, having problems um, with entire uh, Space Marine chapters dedicated to kind of trying to contain uh, the ghoul stars. But there, every now and again, especially in recent years with the opening of the Cicatrix Maledictum, um, we get uh, races that are like squeezing through these Imperial blockades. Uh, and uh, and the Thexians are, are kind of one of them. Um, they, they operate... Uh, very much on a trade basis, um, seems like they uh, that is their that's their preferred method of dealing with aliens. Um, but they, you know, if they're cornered, um, it, it's noted that they they take on almost kind of like a battle form where they become extremely uh, uh, extremely violent. Um, and I think that that's that's interesting because you know the Eastern Fringe. Uh, is one of the more unique parts of the galaxy. Um, despite the fact that you have the realm of Ultramar, you know, with its, uh, depending on what point in history, they have 300 worlds, but there could be 500 worlds, and, you know, and you have Gilliman, um, who, who has returned now. Um, the, the Eastern Fringe is very much like the, the Wild West, um, uh, which I realize is kind of funny now I'm saying it out loud. The Eastern Fringe is the Wild West. <laughs> but... Um, but you have a lot of these alien empires and alien species that seem to have been spared the majority of the effects of the Great Crusade, which happened uh, 10,000 years ago. And, and that Great Crusade, you know, led by the Emperor and, and then eventually uh, Horus, um, pacified the galaxy by and large. And most of the aliens that they came across, uh, with I think maybe only like one or two exceptions, they just completely exterminated. Uh, and as well as, uh, you know, minor human societies and empires that might have survived uh, the Age of Strife. It's a big topic, um, but that that is, you know, that, that is the really, you know, 99 cent version of imperial and galactic history uh, going back 10,000 years. But the Eastern Fringe remained kind of untamed. Um, sure, you have a lot of uh, Space Marine chapter worlds, um, but, but at the same time, there's just there's almost like too much space out there the ultima segmentum is the largest of the segmentums and the ghoul stars are one of those places that the crusade never really could get a hold of um uh same thing goes for uh a lot of those uh easternmost subsectors they're just just big kind of it's almost like uh you know think of it as like uh, the louisiana purchase um or like Alaska, you know, it's just this big expansive, like we don't really even know what's out there, but there's always resources. There's rogue traders aplenty um, trying to figure out what, you know, opportunities and stuff out there. It's probably one of the reasons why the Tau were able to sort of uh, evolve kind of independently and, and not just be kind of routinely exterminated um, during in, in the interim between 30 and 40 K. Um, but the Thexians uh, have really solidified their uh, their power base in the Ghoul Stars. However, they're not even the only ones that are out there. And while we don't know very much about the the, the Thexians because they're very much behind the scenes um, and clearly influence elements of the Tau Empire through uh, through the Nikasar, um, which could be through you know a variety of different means. But let's just say trade for now. Um, on the opposite end, you have uh, and and this is almost. Uh, this is kind of like their title as well as their species name. 
uh, but you have the hyper-violent Bargesi, and the Bargesi are awesome. Um, you can see uh, some artwork uh, from the Fantasy Flight books. Um, they're a bizarre alien race. Uh, there's two pieces of official 40k artwork, which makes them, I mean, the best way to kind of describe them is like some kind of like rat, but like a giant rat. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to say Skaven, um, because Skaven have this, uh, have kind of like the, the, the connotation of being timid, you know, the hyperviolent Bargesi look like some kind of ogre, you know, like an ogre rat. Um, and they have... Uh, they're one of those races that has slipped past the Space Marine uh, kind of like watch. Uh, I guess you could say like the Death Watch, but then there are also other Space Marine chapters that are supposed to try to try to contain them and keep them down. Um, and uh, and they have gotten out of the Ghoul Stars um, and uh, and have been kind of rampaging across the Eastern uh, Fringe. Um, one of the if you look at the uh, the fourth Codex for the Tau. And the entry for breachers. One of the reason one of the reasons why the breachers uh, uh, are created is to directly deal with the rise of like imperial engagements. But there's a great little blurb in there that says that previously the fire warriors um, had gotten really good at fighting the hyperviolent Bargesi because they uh, they could keep them at range. Um, I I have searched. Uh, extensively for as much as I can get about the Bargesi, but they uh, they would be an example uh, of a race that has started um, that has a that actually has a history with the Tau um, and might even be included on that growing list of of species that the Tau just have kind of declared like incompatible with the greater good, and that's a good little segue um, into the next topic uh, or the next species. Uh, because while you have the Bargesi um, and, and what sounds like uh, border wars, one of the areas of time that I, I feel like is kind of it's it's kind of slipping from 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 let's say like relevant topics. You know, we've got the we've got the fifth sphere and and the fifth sphere uh, is is, uh, is 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 really interesting. Got a lot of stuff going on with it. We got you know and and that incorporates the fourth sphere, which um, feeds a lot of that grim dark uh, Tau stuff. Um, but there is this period of time between the first Damocles Crusade um, that ended the second sphere and the kind of like, let's call it the, um, the interim years between the second and third uh, expansions. And that's a period of about 250 years during which the empire um, probably weakened, a combination of being weakened by uh, the realization that the you know that there's a there's a bigger fish out there called the Imperium of Mankind um, stops it uh, stops uh, expanding outward uh, and and really kind of takes stock of what's going on. There's uh, there's of course the disastrous uh, attempts at trying to return to the greater galaxy uh, in the form of Farsight's reclamation fleet. That is a massive failure on behalf of uh, the Tau, uh, of Tau society. Um, not just in the loss of life, um, of which Farsight, uh, you know, I, everybody knows I, I have, I'm, I'm critical of the guy, um, but 50%, uh, a 50% casualty rate uh, for a commander is that, like, that's, that's like, almost unforgivable uh, from, a, from a tower modern perspective. And when he loses, and when he loses that half and then, and then disappears, um, there are, you know, potentially hundreds of millions 
of uh, Tao lives that are just you know kind of crossed off uh, a list and 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 they lose contact with them now we know later that they'll eventually establish the farsight enclaves but um, but during this period um, the the weight of realizing you they can no longer expand unfettered into the eastern fringe uh, because the Imperium is there the loss of one of their heroes uh, commander farsight as well as his reclamation fleet the, this is like a dual uh, punch to the gut and what's followed up right after that is this is is a, is another race um, which uh, is the hood uh, the hood are um, first of all they're they're one of the the most ancient species in the galaxy they, they go as far back you know obviously if if you believe their legends they go back as far as the old ones and they're a really creepy looking species they look a little bit like the predator meets like um, meets like a I guess like a, a Jawa um, and they 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 have this really interesting chronophagic time thing they and they have and they have really advanced like plasma weapons but they're they 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 are more like the Skaven and that they they migrate into uh, migrate into star systems and worlds uh, and then kind of like take root and just being close to them um, the Imperial Guard for example that has fought against them um the imperial guard uh you know the regiments will prematurely age within a, a few months of engaging the hood so so one of these migrations hits right after the tau have thought that they like really got a hold like a, an established uh perimeter within the uh, stellar cluster that they uh, inhabit um and the results are, are pretty devastating they uh, several colonies are lost um, and the Tau actually have to develop a, an entirely new way of, uh, of fighting in that they, they have to, um, they basically, it's called the Avatar program. And what they do is, is that pilots um, uh, work hand in hand with, with drones and pilot their battle suits without actually being inside of their battle suits. And that actually allows them to uh, counteract the chronophagic uh, aspect of fighting the herd. Um, eventually uh, they're driven out of the area but it takes um, it takes quite some time and if you couple that with the fact that the orcs then come at around the same time and that's that what ki that's what kicks off the war of confederacy that that uh, basically instigates shadow sun being woken back up um, you have this you have a really turbulent 250 years um, of, of just kind of fighting weird alien species that are coming out of nowhere um an, another one of those species is the reek but i'll be honest as fascinated as i find the reek um we know even less about them um we know that we they have these things called phase ships um and they uh they routinely attempt to raid and and uh, not conquer but raid and colonize worlds the imperium has run into them a couple times uh, we don't again we don't know very much about them um, but what I what I find the most interesting thing about them is that in a, you know in a universe uh, that <laughs> uh, not to be ironic but runs off of hate you know you've got everybody hates each other you know there's there's not a lot of communality there's not there's not a lot of discourse um, the Tao uh, you know 
send diplomatic missions to Tyranid Hive fleets and uh, hold uh, parades for Necrons just as they're landing, just to be, you know, of course, exterminated. Um, in a universe like that, um, where the Tau are trying to think that there's, you know, there's a good guy vibe from everybody, um, the Reek, in terms of the Tau, uh, what the Tau call them, they call them the hateful Reek. And that, that has endlessly uh, entertained uh, my imagination is like, what, what would inspire the Tau to actually hate a species? You know, and, and keep in mind, um, you know, the water cast doesn't hate the orcs. In fact, the water cast think of the orcs as their number one failure, that if they could have just uh, if they could have just figured out how to how to get on get the orcs on board with the greater good, the the Tau would have like hooked them would would have basically taken that like uh, military steroid, which would have made them a super you know a, a galactic power if they could have figured out how to get the orcs to to you know to to work with them and uh, and so the Watercast actually thinks of it as like their problem that they couldn't they couldn't make that happen um, and the Tyranids I mean the Tyranids are, are kind of viewed very, probably very much like early uh, humans when when those first uh, when those first conflicts uh, broke out like around McCrag and everything that this is it's almost like it's not you're, you're not fighting a war you're 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 trying to exterminate an infestation um, there doesn't seem to be the Tau don't seem to regard the the Tyranids much as like a sentient really as a sentience um, but the reek are hateful and I love that um, moving into uh, some of the more recent publications um, we have we have a couple uh, opportunities to see things like uh, the Luxottle. Um Now, for for those of you who who don't read Gaunt's Ghost, the Luxottle are a uh, they're a fascinated alien species. They they uh, they're aquatic. Um, they can they, they they have a really unusual way of detecting uh, their prey. Um, they work together uh, in these like really tight bond groups. Um, and Gaunt, uh, in I believe like the fifth or sixth book, has to deal with uh, this like assassination team that's coming after uh, one of the saints. Um, and the Luxottle, there's like an Luxottle uh, group that's that's uh, that's one of the ones that are gonna uh, try to take her out. Um, I was really surprised. Uh, I believe in the Fe yeah the Fe Fehavari uh, books um, about Phaedra, the Tau actually have started employing the Luxottle. Now the Luxottle, and we actually, unlike a lot of these other like random alien races, the Luxottle, uh, we, we, if you go back to the Gaunt's Ghost books, we can actually see uh, you're you're you know you're allowed to peer into their psychology. There 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 are one or two chapters written from their perspective, and I gotta say the Luxottle, they're they're definitely monsters or they're monstrous. And um, you know they're they're uh, first of all they're they're on all fours um, they're extremely fast they can you know they can vertically climb um, uh, but then they also have these things these fletchet uh, or flechette blasters that are that are hooked up to their chests which they just use to like shred people um, they're an extremely brutal species um, and I found it really interesting and, and, and that that they would be mentioned in the same breath as uh, as other Tau mercenary races. Now keep in mind, mercenary races are very different from member races. A member race is going to be like your Vespid or your Kroot, you know. Um, uh, a mercenary race can is is is, is exactly that. It's a, it's a pay for hire species, and um, but it but it surprised me that they they uh, that the Tau would like. 
hire uh, a race like the Luxottle, uh, or at least bands of the Luxottle, because um, because of their brutality. You know, and the Tower really try to pride themselves on being, um, you know, let's call it uh, a little bit more like a modern military, um, in which they, you know, they have rules. You know, the Tower, one of the very few species. Uh, that acknowledge war crimes, for example. Um, the fourth sphere, for example, case in point, uh, the fourth, fourth sphere was reprimanded um, and cens- censured uh, for, their, um, the, for the murder of their uh, alien allies. Uh, Commander Brightsword, um, on, uh, during, I believe, the Second Battle of Nimbosa, uh, was, uh, was censured for uh, his massacre of the Imperial troops at the Kalith Gorge. Um, you know the Tau really do play by try, try to play by these uh, these rules for whatever reason. Um, um, probably for the sake of diplomacy. You know, if you if you start blowing up planets, it's it's really hard to make the argument uh, that you're you know that everybody should get on board and that they're good guys. Um, so it could be you know kind of trying to manipulate the 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 eye of the beholder. But the Luxato like definitely you know are 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 kind of a no holds barred like this is like a like a. This is almost like an attack dog, uh, and they'll rip uh, people to shreds. So to see that the tower employing them, it kind of started me on this, you know, trying to figure out like, well, okay, like why why would that happen? And I actually think, I actually think that that uh, is because uh, definitely in the third sphere. Now now remember that in the third sphere we have uh, you know a, a new development, which is that uh, the Sept Prime world of Mugaloth Bay was. Uh, was victim to exterminatus, um, and that most of the planet's surface was burned. Um, th- we do know that the, the capital city was was shielded, and so they remain. And in the newest uh, Chalnath Expanse book, it, it does say that the Mugaloth Bay Sept is still is still there. Um, so that you know that, that and that would include worlds like Perfectia, which is a fortress world um, that the town managed to take. Um, but. But it specifically says that the third sphere Tau have a hatred for the Imperium. Now, it's really important to note that that's not the that's not humanity, right? Um, if you want to go, if you want to find like a group of Tau that hate aliens, you go to the fourth sphere, and that's because of their own, you know, kind of traumatic uh, experience with aliens. Uh, but uh, you can go to Kel, uh, uh, you can go to a lot of different uh, septs that have been like kind of under attack by uh, various alien species or the Imperium itself, um, and they're mistrustful. But the third the third sphere Tau of Mugaloth Bay uh, hate the Imperium of mankind, and so it, it got me thinking that perhaps they are um, they are starting to employ uh, alien races that are more uh more volatile and and have a, a lower tolerance uh for anything human and that that leads to some of the mo- most foundational fluff there is which is uh, the book uh kill team in which that that uh, commander i mentioned earlier on um commander uh, brightsword he creates a mercenary army um, and this is very much like I think what a lot of Tau players really craved. You know, like imagine if you could make an army uh, that is led by the Tau, um, that is led by the Tau. Like let's say like a, a core of crisis suits, but then uh, infant all of your infantry are different types of aliens. You know, that's what Commander Brightsword does. And one of the aliens that he employs, 
by the way, he employs everybody. There's a warband of orcs, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's telepathic species, um, there's Galg, you know, which are these really weird tentacle species. Um, but he also employs Torellians. And Torellians are really interesting because they are, they're a Saurian race. They're really cool. I hope we get models one day for them. But they're, 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 they're like a lizard man race. And they specifically hate uh, humanity and the Imperium of Mankind because they are one of those races that during 30K, uh, their, their home worlds were virus bombed. So um, whereas like the Eastern Fringe was like mostly, you know, kind of left, left alone uh, in comparison to some of the, you know, the, the, the segmentum and sectors closer to Earth or Terra, um, the Torellians uh, got caught somewhere and they lost their homeworlds. And uh, for the last 10,000 years, they have, they have been migrating around the galaxy. And they, they, they show up in a, in a couple uh, short stories, but they hate humanity. And uh, in the book Kill Team, they even pick up, you know, they, they pick up, they, they see that there are humans there and they go over and they pick a fight with them. So, so the Luxodal, the, the Torellians, you know, these, these are examples of races that uh, probably, you know, if you wanted to have like an, a, a little bit of an edge, you know, so, uh, that payment, you know, in the form of, you know, let's say credits or resources or something like that. But if you wanted, if you wanted to hire somebody who really didn't like, uh, let's say the Imperium of Mankind, these are the guys that you would want to get. Um, they're not going to hold back and hey, maybe, you know, maybe if you're, if you're worried, maybe that the, that the upper command, you know, the, let's say the, 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 the upper echelons of the fire cast or the ethereals, you know, if you were worried that they might not like the idea that some war crimes, uh, were being committed, you know, you could say like, oh, well, you know, that's just the Luxodal being the Luxodal or, oh, you, you know, you can't, you can't muzzle the, muzzle the Torellians. So, um, so I think that, I think that, you know, again, an opportunity to start introducing some of that, you know, grittiness. Um, this is this would be a really great place where you know a a, a really good author could like hook into, uh, rather than just you know saying you know I, I don't know like the ethereals are are, are the bad guys. Um, so, you know, I, what I wanted to do is kind of like give that 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 sliver of like some of these alien races that the Tau have come across that have interactions with. Um, it's a very rich uh, universe. Uh, something uh, I, I don't th in in all of my hobbies and all of my uh, you know I, I used to be uh, I used to be obsessed with uh, with Star Trek for a little while and then I I migrated over to Star Wars. This is by the way this is like decades ago back in back in the early two thousands um, when I finally landed on Warhammer forty thousand. Um, I'm just always impressed by the level of detail and the and the richness of the universe, and it's something I recommend everybody kind of like, to, you know, we we're lucky enough nowadays to have something called Lexicanium, or Lexicanum, um, which which has a whole library dedicated to the minor races that that only get like a sentence uh, uh, or two dedicated to them, um, but uh, definitely definitely check them out. Now it was a. Uh, to kind of close out this episode, one of the one of the uh, there was a request um, uh, to talk just a just a little bit about uh, the Tau relationships uh, with with things like uh, the the more mi let's call them the more minor factions of the Imperium, and uh, and I loved I loved researching this. Um, so in the previous episode, uh, the Halloween episode, I I, uh, I kind of explored my hypothesis on on the the 
the deep trauma that the Adeptus Mechanicus inflicted on the on on Tau society. You know, um, the Tau were these plain dwellers, kind of minding their own business, and then the Adeptus Mechanicus, uh, in the form of a, an exploratory fleet, uh, lands, uh, kills some of them, kidnaps others, um, uh, and uh, and then. Uh, and then subsequently kind of like disappears and, and for me you know who who am i i'm appreciative of the like uh the history channels like ancient aliens program i really think that the ancient alien thing uh is is perfectly applicable to the um to what happened to the tau you know and i think that the reason why the tau suddenly like become this extremely like aggressive warlike species that kind of cannibalizes itself is because of the the adeptus mechanicus showing up you know um that that's my big theory but um but what does that mean for some of the other uh elements of the imperium and uh we're in a really great time right now because the chalmath expanse uh is is exploring uh this notion of like a war of faith that the sisters of battle are kind of unleashing on the tau um the nemyar atoll is in this really is is in the is kind of as close as you can get to the heart of the Ultima Segmentum when it comes to Imperial culture, the Nemyar Atoll is adjacent to to a to a, a world called Carduniash, and Carduniash is uh, is is where the Segmentum fleet that's its that's its headquarters, and surrounding Carduniash is uh, is worlds like Brimlock, and uh, Brimlock Brimlock is an ecclesia uh, ecclesiarchy world. And they are, they are the ones that were responsible for petitioning for an imperial crusade to go after the Tau in the first place, you know, hundreds of years ago. Um, but you have cardinal worlds and you have, and you have very, you have, you have what I would call like bastions of imperial culture. Uh, and they are all situated around this capital world. And the Tau have kind of shown up, you know, as a result of the Star Tide Nexus. Uh, and they are actively... Uh, they, they are very successfully expanding in this area because this is on the, this is on the wrong side of the Cicatrix Maledictum, and these worlds, um, which we you know, all of the most imperial worlds are dedicated to like one or two tasks, uh, and and is, they are very much dependent on agri worlds and, and regular shipping and 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 regular uh, you know influxes of resources and things like that. Um, none of these worlds are getting that right now because of the Cicatrix Maledictum. And the Tau are showing up with you know, basically like food and water. And they are, they are integrating very quickly into these, these societies that, you know, I would say like even just, uh, you know, 20 years ago uh, within the timeline of the universe, they would have, ne you know, they would have never, you know, the, the idea of receiving like a handout from an alien empire, like it's just completely inconceivable. But now it's happening. And so one of those relationships, and then I'll get to the, the, the knights, but one of those relationships to really look out for is how the Imperium, which is really on the back foot right now, barring, you know, get, wherever Gilliman is, you know, they're doing fine, but like far further afield in places like the Cheridon uh, region, um, you have, or excuse me, the Chalneth region, um, you have uh, like a loss of faith. And what what is going to be really interesting, and I, I, I'm you know fingers crossed, and I hope we get a codex soon and we get to see this, but it looks like the Tau have figured out how to they have found the Achilles heel of humanity. 
in that, you know, the Sisters of Battle, you know, the Imperium, the, the Imperium itself really requires you to have faith, you know, to have faith in the Emperor. But now that faith is being tested and people are starving to death uh, in their, you know, in their billions. And the tower coming across these planets that are, you know, they, they weren't being run well in the first place. I mean, imagine imagine coming across an entire society that like uh, institutionalized cannibalism in the form of corpse starch is like totally acceptable. Um, the Tau are coming across these planets and just being like, look, you know, here's a sandwich, you know. And, and as a result, uh, you're getting this insane reaction, which, first of all, these worlds are joining... Uh, uh, the Tau Commonwealth, but even more interesting is that they instead of like full outright like you know you, you think you think of like plant a flag and then you know the Tau have expanded their territories. What what you're actually getting is integration, where Tau water cast bureaucrats. And, and again, in other episodes, I have told you this: uh, the Tau water cast punches way above anybody else's weight class in the in the Tau Commonwealth. Like, never mind, like, super weapons and rail guns and Arca, uh, super cannons and stuff like that. The, the water cast converted two-thirds of the gains that were made in the third sphere without firing a shot. They, in the Chalnath Expanse and, and in, the, in the fifth sphere, are actually integrating with imperial bureaucracy so imagine that for a moment that's that's waking up one day and an alien is like the vice president or or even or actually even crazier uh the uh the there's an alien that's running the you know the the dmv you know uh the department of motor vehicles like it's that is what's happening right now and that's for me that isn't that is that is just so ripe for narrative and and plot um, and then, of course, in response, the ecclesiarchy is just then, sm like, wherever they find this, they're just coming down and, you know, executing everybody. Like, you can't do that. Um, and so, so the relationship between, I think, you know, if I was looking for a nemesis for the greater good as a philosophy, it is running straight into the, the, the meat grinder that is the imperial faith system. And it's holding its own, you know. Um, to, to conclude this episode, uh... I, I uh, you know, there's not a lot of info on it, um, but I did this for uh, one of the members that's part of our community who who wanted to know about the relationship between Tau and the Night Worlds. Um, now, the Knights, super super interesting part of the Imperium. Um, they are the descendants of basically like construction workers um, and like farmers from the from from the golden age of humanity. Uh, a knight, you know, which which is this like walking gun weapon uh used to used to just basically be like the, the original defenders uh and the original like founders of uh of human colonies they would you know clear forests um take out you know hostile hostile alien life things like that but over the you know the many thousands of years you know 10 15 20 thousand years uh they've turned into basically like the knights of the round table and these guys are uh they're dedicated to humanity um more so than I've noticed that they're that they're dedicated to, uh, like the idea of an imperium. Um, that's that's sometimes hard to like split the difference. But you know they 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 definitely believe in the emperor, for example. Um, but like their ideals seem to all stem directly to like the service to, the service of humanity first and foremost. And 
the Tau got a really rude wake-up call uh, during the Battle of uh, Perfectia in the Third Sphere, um, just before the, the Second Damocles Crusade, in which they attempted... You know, the knights, by the way, they, they have entire planets that they that they safeguard themselves. Um, sometimes they have their own fleets, which help them, you know, move around and everything. Uh, they are not uh, part of the Titan legions. Um, they're very much their own formation. Um, and... Uh, and they have planets uh, that are that are right out of you know medieval Europe feudal ages where they have peasants and you know they have they, you know you're not allowed to be a knight pilot unless you're part of a noble family um, you know things like that uh, and the Tau you know think that this is a really great opportunity to like come in and be like hey you know rise up you know eat the rich take take out take out the masters um, and instead what ends up happening is that they run uh, they run into the 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 sheer faith and dedication that these planets have for humanity themselves. Now, obviously, uh, it, it's not a hundred percent. There are chaos knights, for example. They're not. They're not. You know, um, gray knights where they're incorruptible. Um, but, but the knights themselves, like the 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 notion of betraying that spirit of humanity, uh, just has them lay right into uh, the Tau. There's some diplomacy that goes back and forth. Um, you know they're they're still very noble and they're you know they're they're a warrior class um, uh, that again that's on the like noble bright side so they they don't immediately just start shooting at the tower there is an exchange but like they just say no across the board um, and House Terran uh, which is the which is the largest night house in the region um, de basically dedicates themselves after that point to uh, trying to fight contain and eradicate the Tau. Uh, they fail, um, obviously. Um, Mugaloth Bay, you got to remember, uh, when they commit exterminatus on that planet, it's not without, um, it's not without, like, uh, ca you know, friendly fire casualties. Um, but, but basically, you know, what ends up happening is that House Terran has to kind of pull back. But they do have several victories against Shadow Sun specifically. You know, first on that water cast side of just rejecting the water cast, and then later, uh, against the, um, later against the the military themselves the it, it you know I've, and again i've talked about this before like space marines uh, a front a frontal attack from space marines into tau is suicide not only is it suicide but like the tau have weapons such as rail technology and vespid uh pulse weapons uh they can perma kill gene seed and you know and that can that can actually exterminate space marine chapters, whereas like a railgun can like basically st turns everything that is inside a suit of power armor into jelly. You know, um, space marines cannot direct assault uh, the Tau as a as a matter of course, and that's that's kind of a that's a contradiction to a lot of uh, chapters' uh, combat tactics. Um, the uh, the Imperial Guard is very dedicated to things like you know static warfare. Uh, you know, waiting for an enemy to attack, but so building up defenses and fortress, you know, fortresses and stuff like that. The Tau will just run rings around you and and uh, become uh, become like like almost like let, let's say an apex level threat because when you try to attack counterattack the Tau, uh, they don't they don't care about generally speaking they don't care about the the ground that they just took. They can or 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 even entire planets, you know. Um, in the original Damocles Gulf Crusade, uh, Delith was evacuated, you know, and the idea that, you know, if you look at an imperial world, the idea of evacuating a planet, like both from the cultural perspective of what that means to, to fail in the, in the sight of, you know, your god emperor, 
your ecclesiarchy, who's the representative of the god emperor, uh, the administratum, like trying to uh, try to figure out how to e- how do you even evacuate a planet with a hundred billion people on it. Um, you know, the Imperium does not have the culture to fight. Let's call it modern warfare, and the Tau are are adept to and to to even to their detriment because when they run into the knights. If you want to engage the knights, you have to engage them. You're, you're engaging a highly mobile force that's very small that will most likely uh, that will most likely be uh, able to keep up with you um, just by the very nature of the fact that you know it's this giant walker um, that are deployed via like specialized drop pods. Um, knight worlds have these fortresses, so uh, that that if you want to attack them. Um, they're just kind of completely sealed, you know. They're 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 supposed to be. They're, uh, traditionally, they they withstand all kinds of alien attacks. So they have weapons that are left over from the dark age of technology, uh, you know. That would make that would make space marines, you know, think twice about like getting anywhere near within shooting range. So, so the knights actually end up becoming this really uh, complicated enemy uh, for the Tau to fight, and. The relationship between both of them, uh, well, I'll speak for just House Terran, um, is 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 like is a, a no. It, there there will be no negotiation. Like like he's he's going to take take everybody down, um, and it's gotten so bad that there's even like a, a free like this free blade knight um, called the Obsidian Knight, and he hates the Tau so much that he has his own private. Uh, we don't know who he is. We don't know what he's about. It's, it's very much just like kind of like a you know um, you know one of the lost legions. Like this is just a, a narrative kind of hook for people to get into. But he's got a, a like almost like his own private ship that carries him around all over the Eastern Fringe, where he'll just drop in and massacre a bunch of Tau and then and then jump out. Um, he was at the Battle of uh, Mugaloth Bay, for example, and he is just really good at hunting Tau. Um, so I would say that. In summation, the relationship between the Tau and the Night Houses, as well as the Ecclesiarchy, are probably about as bad as can be. Um, and that the Tau, strangely, with the Administratum, clearly there's a lot of crossover there because these border worlds actually end up getting Tau officials running Imperial, you know, being part of the cog of Imperial bureaucracy. So... <laughs> So I hope you've enjoyed uh, this uh, this episode uh, podcast, the minor races and factions and their relationship with the Tau. And um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to next time. Thank you so much. <laughs>